2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we are in the fishbowl at NDC Oslo. Is this the first episode that's coming out? I think you're right. Yeah, Yeah. First one to publish. Yeah, first one to publish, second one to record. There you go. So we've already recorded one, and that'll be coming out two weeks from now. And we're here with Debbie Levitt today. And, uh, you know, this is NDC, Oslo, all over again. We're here in the Oslo spectrum. It's like being at a rock concert, but it's full of nerds and food.
0: Yeah, and floating... uh, uh Stages. Stages. So they cut up the arena yeah. by putting stages in front of them with like sound blankets around right. it. But if you look over the edge of that blanket and you've got any slightest bit of vertigo, yeah. it'll get to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't look that way. You shouldn't go over there. Yeah, right? you're
3: something like 50 feet in the yeah, air you're Yeah, you're <laughs> up.
0: Like yeah. it's not going to hurt if you go down.
3: <laughs> you did a talk today on one of those floating yes, stages, Yes, on one of the right? floating stages. And then,
0: uh, you know, that doesn't bother me all that much, but it's like, yeah, it's way up there. My it was poly- very stable.
3: My poly talk today was on terra firma. There you go, ground level. Ground level. Yeah, yeah. No ground level either. Nothing wrong with that. Good enough. Anyway, uh, Richard's kind of grumpy
0: because they're out of tea. Yeah, you know, I have only one real need. <laughs> <laughs> Earl Grey. <laughs> yeah, popped. just black tea. That's <laughs> all I'm asking for is black tea. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll find some later.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. We'll get started now with uh, Better NOAA Framework. Awesome. <laughs>
0: All right, man, what do you got?
3: Okay, so this is an article in The Verge, Uh and there's a subreddit, which, if you don't know what that is, reddit.com is where all the a-holes go to battle each other. Mm -hmm. uh, Depends on the topic. It does depend on the topic, but some of them are just, you know, anything goes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this is a subtopic populated entirely by AI personifications of other subreddits, so these are bots. These are chat bots. Chat bots battling each other, programmed based, based on based other subreddits on others based on the oh, posts in other subreddits. Yes,
0: that is messed up. Yeah, it is. I messed can think up. of a few subreddits that would be remarkably vitriolic.
3: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is really funny. So we're gonna have to bleep some of this. So yeah, it's called r slash sub simulator GPT two, and you can do stuff like watch a bot uh, that personifies Bitcoin argue with the machine learning derived spirit of food porn. Nice, or di- <laughs> or dip into a thread populated entirely by Am I the asshole? <laughs>
1: but <laughs> asking
3: themselves the same question: Who's the asshole here? <laughs> So you know, if you find yourself wanting a, a you know a change from the usual way that you waste time while you're thinking about your development problems, there you go. Yeah, whole
0: other class of, uh, of whole uh, other class of
3: entertainment.
0: Right. This there. is what we do with software. Right.
3: So, there you go. Who's talking to us today, Richard?
0: Proud to comment off a show 1602, which we did in November of 2018 with one Bill Buxton. Oh, yeah. And we talked about the morality of software. And we was... dove into sort of rules around AI and, yeah. and uh, those sorts of, uh, of subject areas. And uh, this particular comment uh, comes from Joseph Hillerup, who said, I really like what Bill was saying about how we should design our tools so the way people use them lazily will create the best results falling into the pit of success. Yeah, and just like the, the, you know, the, the, the easy way is the best way. Right. right. I really wish there were more of an emphasis for the tools used in software development itself on, on that aspect, mm. especially things like language design. Microsoft has been slowly moving in that direction with C Sharp, but, I I, but imagine where C Sharp would be today if this had been the primary ethos from the start. It'd be VBNet. Nice. But I was actually <laughs> thinking that that is the ethos. Like, you talked yeah. to Anders. yeah. He always had the average developer in mind. Absolutely. You know, he was better than just about anyone. Well, let's compare C Sharp to Java. Let's
3: compare C Sharp to C++ Mm -hmm. and even C before that. It's a much different...
0: Terminal much of a low-friction language. language oh, yeah. But still one... And low-friction also being that it helps you with the problems that occur. You right. Know? What else do we want from static typing? But, uh, you know, you said this was going to be a number, but what you're giving me right now doesn't look like yeah, a number. That's right. You know, that's the,
3: the software really helping you out, so... And it gets out of your way when you want to do something really complex.
1: Yeah.
0: So. We can go as far as we want to go. So, right. I, I, I don't know. I think C Sharp has always been like that. Even I agree. If it, admittedly, the past few versions... Especially since we've gotten to Roslyn, Mm -hmm. have just opened the door for so much more capability like Mm -hmm. that. So there has been an acceleration of it. But I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not going to work. Agree with Joshua on the idea that they've just started moving that way. Mm -hmm. They've just been able to move further. Mm. Yeah. So, Joshua, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code by is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code Buy, write a comment on the website at dotnetrocks.com or on Facebook. We publish every show to Facebook. And if you comment there and we read on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code by. And definitely follow us on
3: Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. They're answered by our MI the Applebot? Bot. Nice.
0: <laughs> Am I or are you? Well, that remains to be <laughs> we seen. We could go there? Okay.
3: And it is entirely beside the point. Nice. <laughs> All right, let's bring on Debbie Levitt, who's been sitting here patiently trying not to laugh. Uh, she is CEO of P Type UX. Did I say that right?
2: P Type UX Agency.
3: P Type UX and Product Design Agency. Uh, she's been a UX strategist, designer, and trainer since the 1990s. As a serial contractor who lived in the Bay Area for most of the decade, Debbie has influenced interfaces at Sony, Wells Fargo, Constant Contact, Macy's.com, Oracle, and a variety of Silicon Valley startups. Clients have given her the nickname Mary Poppins. Because she flies in, improves everything she can, sings a few songs, and I've heard her sing, she's got a great voice, and flies away to her next adventure. Nice. Debbie is a speaker and trainer who's presented at conferences including eBay's Developer Conference, PayPal's Developer Conference, UXPA, and We Are Developers, and also NDC. She is an O'Reilly published author and one of the few instructors on the planet recommended by Axure. That's A X U R E. (laughs) Not Azure. Not Azure. A-Z. Very subtle difference. I know. Uh, Her newest training program is DevOps ICU, which teaches non-UX roles how to measurably improve DevOps results by correctly integrating UX Mm. practitioners and processes. Outside of UX work and sometimes during UX work, Debbie enjoys singing symphonic prog, goth, metal, opera, and new wave. (laughs) She's That's a, a range. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: All at the same time. Well, yeah. yeah. I think I've heard that song. <laughs> She's now a digital nomad, splitting her time between the USA and rural Italy. Welcome, Debbie.
2: Thank you guys so much. Glad I to
3: have start, you on. I want to start talking about golf metal. And go red. ahead. <laughs> I'm, here <laughs> for, <laughs> I'm
2: here for you, And Carl. the hills
3: of rural Italy. How does that go over?
2: The uh, Well, thanks to the uh, home recording studio my boyfriend built, you mm. know, not too many people have to suffer through it.
3: That's. Really cool. Nice. <laughs> cool for for Italy is wonderful.
2: Italy is lovely. I yeah. do recommend it.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. you do
2: have to learn the language, which I'm working on, but right. Um, but, but the, yeah.
0: they're also excited to teach it to you, too. Like That's something I've always appreciated about the Italian culture. It's like, if you're willing to put some energy in, they've got all the time in the world to get your pronunciation. And the Italian right. I,
3: language has plenty of UX, doesn't it?
2: There's a lot uh, of it uh, kind of the hand, hand gestures, yeah. It's, like, it's two languages in one. <laughs> the, hands, the hands and the, and the voice. Uh, when I meet people, the first thing I say to them in Italian is, I'm learning Italian. Right. And then the next thing they say to me is, little by little, And then I say to them, in Italian, everyone says to me little by little. And then (laughs) they laugh and the ice has been broken. And I find that the Italians, at least where I'm living, which is rural countryside, farmers and, and small businesses... And I find that if I make a mistake, they correct me, yeah. but not like a New Yorker would. No, you know, right. Like they, they correct, sorry New Yorkers, they they correct <laughs> me in a, in a helpful, friendly way, yeah. and I really do appreciate that. And I like that they know that they can.
0: Yeah, and that yeah, you're, you're excited too. Like I actually want to get better at it.
2: I am learning and yeah. I want your help.
3: Is there enough bandwidth in rural Italy to use Google Translate?
2: <laughs> yes, so check this out. We've got DSL in the home office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's right, kids, nice. be jealous. Um, most days, most days I get 16 down and one up, Kill a bit. which Whoa. is I know. what, what unit do you want to measure that in? Which, uh, it, it, which, where I can sustain a Zoom video call, so you hmm. can see me on the video call. Okay. Um, they they did d- dig up the streets, and they claim we're going to get fiber in the fall, but mm. we don't know when it's coming or how fast yeah. it'll be. Mm. But I would say that I'm mostly viable yeah. uh, out in rural Italy.
3: I was visiting Tuscany. My daughter was there and uh, she was an au pair. So I went to visit this family in the rural hills of Tuscany and outside Florence. And uh, I had this conversation. I tried to have this conversation <laughs> with the, the patriarch of the family, the grandfather of the baby who was there. And uh, the first thing he asked me was if I had a tractor. You know, when you go to a geek party, <laughs> you get stuff like, "Oh, do you have the Oculus Rift or the right. Oculus Go or sure. the Quest? Which one do you have?" Yeah. "How what is the size of your tractor, tractor. sir?" Yeah. yeah, that was the first question I got.
2: Yeah, when I was when I first started with my private Italian teacher, one of the first she started with like Italian negative 1 level like conversational questions mm. and one of the questions was, "Do you pray?" And I was like, I am right now. Um, (laughs) Hold on a minute. (laughs) Uh, You know, and of course, demographically, Italy is quite religious. Uh, And and arguably
0: entirely Catholic for very obvious reasons. Evidently,
2: 94% Catholic. And I I would have to say I am a very non-religious person. Mm -hmm. So I asked for uh, how to say the appropriate response. Right. Because you don't want to say
3: anti-religious. You uh, just want to say...
2: all I can say is, um, when I have expressed to people my, my non-religious stance, everyone has been very accepting and welcoming. Yes. So I think that's just another factor of being in the country with more friendly, humble people mm-hmm. than perhaps in some of the stereotypes of the city dwellers. Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know. I've always found them remarkably friendly. Me too. And I ended up doing work in the Vatican. So. No. <laughs> yeah. Half the time, they're talking Latin. and You can't follow that at all. They
2: don't do conversational Latin, oh, do they?
0: Oh, they, between the... the S. It goes on quite a bit. It's spooky. Wow, indeed. uh, Yeah, they're doing their own thing there. So DevOps needs some UX.
2: I, you know, it's not just DevOps. I use DevOps in my title to be a little bit silly, but it, to, to me, it's all uh, about how do we get software development first understanding UX a little bit better because I feel like it's something that's so greatly misunderstood. Yeah. And then once there can be that better understanding, then everyone will be able to take a look at how UX can better fit into the software development processes, mm. especially Agile, mm-hmm. because that's always the black box of mystery. Right. And of course, how we can improve collaboration in both directions because in most of the jobs I've been in, engineers and UX kind of hated each other. Yeah. And they both had some good reasons and so I've been kind of analyzing those over time and wrote this. I originally wrote it as a two-day uh, private corporate training thing. And then mm. I was like, I wonder if anyone cares about this. And I made these short versions, what I like to call my minimum viable presentation.
1: <laughs> and I've been
2: uh, applying to conferences, mostly DevOps, dev, uh, d- you know, agnostic kind of engineering. Sure. Yeah. And also agile conferences. So I've been speaking to non-UX audiences mm-hmm. specifically about, hey, here's a bunch of things you just didn't know about UX, mm-hmm. but unfortunately you not knowing them Colored a lot of things, sure. Yeah.
0: It, I mean, there's an argument that you can that the UX conversation has to be inserted all through the development path. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to think you just kind of want them included early.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I tell people in my program is we need to be included early everywhere. So right. uh, on the product portfolio program project we should be included uh early there because we shouldn't be surprised by i i've seen plenty of horror stories Mm -hmm. from places i've worked and i've walked into a kickoff meeting and i've been told what the project was having never heard of it before Mm. and they said and ux you've got two days to give us final wireframes and I was like, do you have any idea what UX normally does? You know, yeah. we have mm-hmm. a we have a site. We have. is a, that at
0: the beginning of the project, or they're about to ship, and it's now we would need no, to spray some UX the on No, this was the kickoff.
2: This was the kickoff meeting, and wow. I was being given two days. And when I said, you know, we normally get more time than that because we like to have some research, some design, some testing, some iterations on our testing because our testing is basically our QA. Sure. And uh, the person said to me, if you need more time, I'm going to go tell your manager you're derailing the project. Nice. Wow. So obviously, it's really important where UX is at some companies populating the backlog. It's hmm. important to get us started ahead of time so that we can start with some of our own sprints and some of our early work, whether it's sprint or Kanban, whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. We've got to start early. We need that runway. And then that way, when you guys, you engineer guys want and gals want to kick off, we've got some backlog for you sure. to work on and then we can be moving with you, sprinting yeah, with you. you don't
0: want to ha- finish the entire design before dev starts. No, but that, that would be too Waterfall. Sure. Yeah,
2: I'm not for the Waterfall thing, um, but we definitely need to be ahead of people because of the research design and testing we want to do. It's
3: really interesting and ironic that you got that kind of pushback like you were wasting time, right? Or to, because if I you know. think about it, you, a good UX is all about saving time. That's what
2: I try to explain to people. I just say that um, we are removing a lot of the risk and that we should be saving engineering time, money, and sanity because if we can do a great UX design early on and get package this up and get it to engineering, then that means we should have been avoiding most or all changes of mind, of surprise rebuilds. A lot of user
0: acceptance is done now. You've got it. We have a front. totally and vetted
2: thing, and there shouldn't be surprises later. And that should say, so whatever you spent on us should be made up or more than made up when engineers don't have to redo code or how many things. When I do my talk, I ask engineers, I say, how many people have been coding something and knew while they were building it that it was junk and it shouldn't be given to the customers? And every hand goes up and I say, yeah, I wish that I'm being brought in earlier product portfolio program where i can be more of a collaborator there and see and this is agile manifesto principle number 10 simplicity the art of maximizing the amount of work not done let's not do this crappy project
3: and not only are you saving time in development you're also saving all those tech support calls like all of the users time where they're not sitting wondering how to use the product like Good UX is all about saving time, money, everything. Thank you. Oh, you're hired.
2: Yes, this is exactly what I'm trying to explain to people. But I find that it starts with some information about what UX is, because one of my first slides is a bunch of negative perceptions of UX and I mm. ask which of these do you believe mm. and it's a live poll and the poll just lights up everyone believes mm. UX is something anybody can do UX is just wireframe boxes on a page yeah UX is killing time and budget um, yeah. and people vote for all of these but I always hope that within that hour 40 minutes whatever the conference has given me that I can start to shift mm. that and tell them what's in the black box
0: sure right and it's, like I said, it was pain alleviation for everyone else We by hope. setting up some expectations better, and understanding what people actually want on stuff.
2: Yeah, and and don't you imagine? You guys will know this better than I will, uh, but being non-UX chicks, but yep. don't don't you imagine that if you're getting a uh, tested and vetted prototype? I love to work in prototypes. That's mm-hmm. why I named my company P-Type. Got um, it. If you're getting a tested and vetted prototype from me, you should be able to estimate more accurately. Sure. And yeah. so there's so many other ways that we would be able to help you hmm. and hopefully be more efficient. So
0: shouldn't, you, shouldn't UX folks then be part of the requirements gathering process?
2: In my dreamy dream world, we're yeah. <laughs> we're not taking over all those people's jobs. We love those people and we need them, but yeah. we would love to collaborate with them. But that
0: seems like a more logical starting time because you're starting to yeah. gather requirements. So you can start. You can also start working on the visuals and start talking about workflows early on. Sure.
2: Yeah, and remember, we're about so much more than visuals because I'm a terrible artist. Right. I'm not an artist at all. And one of the other misconceptions I go through is UX is artsy fartsy. It's visual design, no. and I just remind people I have a degree in music after dropping pre med. Yeah. I am not an artist at all. I'm the worst artist on the planet. Nearly me and toddlers and yeah. um and so it's more than just the visuals. I, I say think of us as the building architects. Right. right. And then think of the visual designers more as the interior decorators. Yeah. We need these people, mm-hmm. different jobs, and of course you guys are the construction company. So we would love to be part of uh, all of that project planning and certainly the requirements. And I find another place where all of this collides is nobody lets UX estimate their own time. Mm. I find that project starts planning and running without us, and they just guess at what we need as you heard from my horror story. And then if we're not really correctly integrated into agile teams or other types of software development methodology Mm. teams, someone else is guessing my time. Mm -hmm. And it's always a negative surprise when I need more time. I'm somehow the jerk, but let's face it, I wouldn't be good at estimating your time You're not going to be great at estimating that time.
0: So besides the visuals, what are the other UX elements that, that need to be developed that are going to help everyone moving forward?
2: So typically, UX has a process that we call user-centered design, Mm -hmm. which is UCD. You've probably bumped into that at one point or another. It's the main methodology that the whole planet uses. And it starts with requirements and some auditing. It moves through things like competitive analysis. Uh, And again, not every project or feature requires this, but in a dreamy dream world and something large and new, we might do all the things I'm about to blow through. Mm. So we might have... Uh, competitive analysis. Then we have extensive user research. The company's biggest problems is they typically don't assess their problems correctly, right? And they typically don't assess their customers correctly. They mm. often just run with marketing data, mm-hmm. so they can say 47% are age 35 to. But what do we mm. really know about these people? How do they use this now? What are their workarounds? Right. Uh, what are their pain points and problems? What are their triumphs? What are their needs, habits, or and just, motivations? Are
3: just if you were going to start over, yeah. what what would be the process you would want to go through? For, for this? Where do you, where do you this, want to start? Where do you want to end up? It's
2: the research is so important and so many people think that they can that's a budget line they can cut. And then we've got mm. other things. We've got content, which is all your writing and thing and copy and content. We go through information architecture, which are your structures, hierarchies, and taxonomies, which sure. are typically not just your databases, but typically your site or app navigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discoverability is so got to of be that, in Yeah, there. all of that organization. Right. If you okay. can't find it in the menus, people are going to, I, I have something I call the four horse of Bad UX, yeah. they will arrive. They are frustration, <laughs> confusion, disappointment, and distraction. Nice. And if you can't yeah. find something in the menus, the four horsemen have just arrived. Sure. And but <laughs> for me as
0: a dev, that you present me with a navigational plan for the app, that's a whole ton of work done. That's right. Right. And
2: and we even have research and testing that we can do just for information architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, we have card sorting and tree testing, and that just helps us perfect and improve that just that navigation mm-hmm. element. After that, we're looking at interaction design, which right. is what most people think of when they think UX. That's sure. our wireframes, our prototypes, whatever is acting as the blueprint. Mm-hmm. But from there we take it to user testing, which is why I love the prototypes because they're much more realistic. And Axure lets me, build, they don't pay me, so this is not a plug, but Aksher, um they don't pay me, isn't that sad? Um, but they, <laughs> why not guys? Come on. Um, I'm a super fan. <laughs> so they were they're, they're prototyping software really aimed at UX practitioners, but it has mm-hmm. conditional logic and variables, nice. which means I can create very realistic paths, a outcomes, bit of error yeah. messages, I can fake validate fields, I can sure. do math. So it's really a neat tool. And when I hand that prototype to developers, even though it's not doesn't have any art because I'm such a terrible artist, the developers normally say, I need almost no other documentation. Right. So if you want to talk about really being lean,
1: then throw
2: away your documentation. I built you this very realistic prototype where that covers the key user paths. So not only can I give that to stakeholders and people who still hate me and uh, the engineers, (laughs) but I can also use it. There's a subreddit
3: for that, I think. It's so sad. They're still
2: out there. But they they, they say, if you don't have haters, you're you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Uh, So I can also bring that to user testing. We always test with real or archetypal users. We don't go guerrilla testing in our office with our coworkers. Right. We must find people who match the target audience. And so, you know, if the target audience are devs who love GitHub and some other of these tools, it doesn't make sense for me to run this by grandma. Mm-hmm. So, um, after user testing, in my world, I like to see the visual design done after that, but that's because I'm not an artist and sure. I have a good time separating the two. Well, and, and also, then we deliver y-
0: you know, you don't want to deliver too much visuals at that testing phase where people say, oh, so you're already done, right?
2: It's tough. I like
0: wireframe because it looks like wireframe. It looks
2: like work in progress. And we do have problems with stakeholders who think that once they see that... uh, Anything
0: works at all, well, we're almost finished. That
2: polish, then they go, oh, it's done. Why can't we ship this? There's a
3: whole bunch of usability stuff that has to happen after the artists get done as well because just little things like contrast and size of things... I'll tell you a story. So I was recently at this website ordering some uh, T-shirts and stuff, and I won't tell you what the website was, but it starts with discount and ends with mugs.com. Okay. okay, so discountmugs.com, and I was on there, and I was having a problem just with the website. I go to place the order in the cart, and it just refreshes, and it doesn't give me any errors or anything like that. It doesn't go through. And so I send off a message to tech support, or the salesperson I was working with, and uh, she basically says, share the cart with me. And I say, okay, share the cart. And I looked, and I swear to God, I looked at that page for five minutes. I did not see any way to share the cart. The four and I said, horsemen I have had no, arrived. I, I took a screenshot and sent it to her. She circles, the the little link up in the top, a, a light blue oh, phrase. Oh, I was going to guess gray on
2: gray. I light blue phrase
3: <laughs> on a white background and it says share cart and it's in such, it's so small, it's yeah. so buried, there's no way I would ever find it. It's right. nowhere near the cart. Like,
0: I couldn't believe it.
2: it hurts. look, I understand I say job security for us forever. yeah but <laughs> right.
0: it's not like you guys are gonna run out of work right? we're
2: not gonna run out of work <laughs> but too another, much dumb of the, out there. another of the things that I'm out there trying to tell people is a lot of the UX people that are working in UX jobs right now are not great UX practitioners. Interesting. And just like how many times have you met a full stack developer and you looked at their code and you said, I'm not sure this is a full stack developer. And you see that, right? That exists?
0: Yeah. Well, there's some part they're good at. It's just not all parts.
2: Exactly. And we have the same thing. We have people who do... UX, UI. Right. And very often they are highly talented artists who had a passion and an interest in UX. Right. And went to move into UX. But, and and not always, but very often when I speak to these people and I say, well, then what's your UX process expecting to hear about that big cycle I just told you about? Mm -hmm. They say, I make wireframes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they're Um, reinforcing the problem in the team. Right so the pr-
2: and the problem is because companies don't understand UX they see a resume or a CV that says UX and they go mm-hmm. wow they do UX and look at this really pretty portfolio Right.
1: right. Yeah. bring
2: them on mm. and, and so I'm going to be releasing a new book in the fall and I'm going to be really fighting for um, just improving the quality of what's being done at companies sure. because now people are coming out with books called like designers are ruining everything or some <laughs> title like there's really a title like that and it's written by a UX guy and I'm not sure he's helping us but my Thought is uh, I'm going to try to formalize this a little bit and, and help companies hire better. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of carnage out there, and, mm-hmm. and some of it is. I find that all of it just comes back to people misunderstanding sure. UX, what we do, and why we're specialized. And that, by the way, we're not all artsy fartsy hipsters. I have right. no tattoos. You're looking at me now, not hipster, right? <laughs> not a hipster. Although yeah. yeah. I am wearing my hipster Mickey Mouse T-shirt. There have you go. ever seen hipster Mickey Mouse?
0: There you go. Oh, look at Literally that! Literally hipster Mickey Mouse. Wow. Literally hip, hipster That's Mickey. Mouse.
2: Everyone Google hipster he's Mickey He's got ironic Mouse.
0: facial hair. Um, <laughs> is, he's
2: got his uh, earbuds and his floppy hat. And actually, it, it, an artist made it, and Disney licenses it. So you can buy it at Disney wow. Parks. Wow, Disney liked it. Disney, That's, yeah, Disney They normally it. hate everything. They don't actually hate everything. They're actually licensed. They're actually paying some of these people. So. That's pretty That's cool. That's
0: funny. I do appreciate from the wireframe perspective. I remember what was the story that I was told that it's like, as soon as you put color or polish on any of those things they criticized that yes. rather than the actual thing you wanted to talk through which right. was that workflow that experience i have
2: found that as well and you know there's always the joke in in both ux and and creative circles where it's like oh what did they say oh make it bluer
0: Nice. yeah you know, bluer blue
2: right. yeah uh, you hear things like that yeah, a lot
0: yeah or it was too blue
2: uh yeah, my wife wants it bluer. I mean I'm, I'm I started in the mid 90s so I remember my wife wants it bluer. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> my wife um wants it bluer. Me, so it's uh, it's like I don't I kind of don't care what your wife wants unless she's one of our target personas. Sure. So yeah there there again this all comes back down to misunderstanding. Sure. And I think if people understood truly how much UX is based in cognitive psychology mm-hmm. and not art then we can start to not only shift how we hire, but also our processes and our communication and collaboration because all right. of these are not going very well right now.
0: We do occasionally get some good software out of it. But
2: one can hope, but yeah. can you give me an example? Yeah. What is your favorite software out there? What's yeah, your number no, one app?
0: I'm not, there's a difference between what you have to use all the time and exactly. the things that actually delight you.
2: That's right, yeah, and, you know. and uh, when you're stuck using it, the four horsemen are still showing up. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that what I hear from a lot of those companies is they'll say, we don't really need a UX person. Uh, they'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, right.
2: And I Our say, software well, software is intuitive. A that, and well, that it's not. But that, you know, the they'll figure it out is the giant middle finger.
0: Yeah, right. Like, we don't actually care.
2: Yeah, and, and and the second middle finger is when people want to put lots of instructional text and tool tips oh, yeah. and how to's. Oh, sure. And I tell people, now you're saying, we didn't build this to be more intuitive. We think you're kind of stupid. Right. You're not going to figure it out. So we're going to We give think you, you notes. love reading. Yeah. yeah, we think you love reading. <laughs> sure. So here's a bunch of instructions yeah. that to I know you want to follow fact that we didn't yeah. know how to so design So all of these the are. Place. Place. Four horsemen just showed yes. up.
0: And we put a handle on a door, but then we have to put push beside it, which <laughs> you shouldn't be pushing a handle anyway. But.
2: I actually have a picture in my in the two-day version. I actually was in Barcelona mm-hmm. at an event, and there was a, a bathroom door, and it had a, a handle. Yeah, a mm-hmm. handle. pull handle. It had a pull handle, and it was a push door. Yeah, of of course I see it would. all
0: the time. Yeah. But then they yeah. do put the push note. They on They didn't. It. They didn't. It
2: just had a D for women because it was right. Spanish. D
0: for dumb. No, it was D for
2: damas. You know, women. And I so, stick with dumb. No, but, but it was a women's <laughs> bathroom. Let's be kind to them. I no, did it too. Being, I walked up and pulled. I, it. I'm not
3: saying women are dumb. I'm saying no. the designer of that door is dumb.
2: It was. It was bad because obviously we, we call these in UX affordances. It's right. something that gives us the cue that there's something that you can do here. And we all know it. we all know that the flat plate means push and the handle means, means pull. pull and And you don't do that. And we can, of course, relate that to the digital version.
3: Absolutely. Hey, guys, hold that thought for just a second while we take a moment for this very important message. This episode of .NET Rocks is sponsored by Datadog, a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed request traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. Track the health and performance of your dynamic containers, apps, and services with rich visualizations and machine-learning-driven alerts. To start monitoring your container clusters, sign up for a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit dd.netrocks.com to get started.
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell. We're talking to Debbie Levitt. Talking about... Uh dumbness no. no 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 of course um i so you're you obviously are a singer and oh you gosh. do recording you yes. have your own studio i and do so do i yay and, and i've done albums for people and sitting there in the mix you get suggestions like it needs to sound more orange you know what i mean like it needs to sound bluer yeah bluer yeah. like it, it needs to s- it needs to be a little wetter, or you know, yeah. I understand wetter that with we know. reverb, yeah, right? Okay, we know. that's a phrase right. we know, but we know but it's not. It's, it need, needs to be like a little more gelatinous, yeah. you know, yeah. just things. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's right. Ascribing ascribing adjectives that yes. don't exist in audio. Well, you and I'm know, like, but again, excuse me, but which one of my knobs is the gelatinous knob? Yeah,
2: it's uh, it's the juicy knob. It's, <laughs> I think there's a rack mount for that, but um, I, but that's why, hypothetically, a good album has a proper producer. Yeah. You know, not everybody should self-produce their right, own albums, right. and we have the same parallel in, in UX. Right. Not everybody is a designer. Not everybody should be giving the designers You're notes. You're sort of a
3: translator sure. and, of sorts, right? I mean,
2: I always want to listen to everybody's ideas. If you want to yeah. tell me this UX design should be wetter or it should right. be bluer or whatever, I'll <laughs> listen to your ideas, <laughs> but then I have to its more gelatinous or slightly amorphous, <laughs> shimmer, and then, uh, but then fly. I have to compare that against the research we've done mm. and what we know about the target customers. Sure. And if the idea is good, I run with it. You know, ux good UX people should be low ego. Those of you out there working with high ego UX people, would, those would probably go on my list of not necessarily Problem. real UX yeah. people. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be low ego, and we're supposed to be able to take ourselves out of it and say, mm. The best idea wins whoever had that right. idea.
0: And that, that I understand, you know, we've studied the audience and the audience is rather gelatinous. This <laughs> is something we should put... I'm just you know, trying to we've, figure it
2: out. we've we've studied the audience; they're kind of squishy. But uh, <laughs> So we're going
0: with a squishy design.
2: <laughs> yeah, we designed for squishy people it needs by to sound squishy a people. Squishier. Yeah, yeah. It, but but seriously, even even though we have silly adjectives for these things, we still have to really study human behaviors. So sure. Ultimately, UX comes back to that. And if we haven't designed for that, and we tried to skip some of these steps, uh, hey, there's a plenty of horror stories out there, like a certain mm. company we may or may not want to name who last year had to announce that their reportedly tens of millions of dollars redesign was a flop.
3: Oh, let's name them.
2: You sure? Sure. Yeah. Okay, well Skype decided they wanted to be more like Snapchat. <sighs> wow. And they released That's what that was. Huh? Yes, that's, that's what, what that, happened. Uh, do you remember when Skype suddenly became really weird oh, in so mid 2017? Oh, exactly. And so what bad. happened was in 2018 they had to go into their own blog and post and say Okay, we messed it up. Right. We, we released something that was full of features you didn't like, you didn't need, and you didn't want. Yeah. Right. It had wacky visual design. Yeah. It was difficult to navigate. Yeah. Okay. And, it, and it
0: took away a bunch of things that we counted on and needed. And that right, just, and that hey, happened. you caught us. Yeah. And, right.
2: and, when, and I give yeah. that as an example of, I didn't work there. I don't have inside knowledge of this. Right. But as an outside expert, it looks like they skimped on UX. Yeah. Because if someone had come to me early in project planning and said, we think we want Skype to be more like Snapchat so we can attract the young users, right. I would say, show me the data. And if they either didn't have data or I was concerned that the data was manipulated, because I've seen that too, sure. yeah. I would want to spin up a research project. Right. At that point, this project probably would have gone out the window and tens of millions saved. And
3: for what they I, paid for course, Skype, they could afford a research project yeah, one would
2: think and even if they said no 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 we're freaking in love with this thing let's just do it I would say hold on if you're not going to let me research let me build a prototype yeah, let's pilot. let me build a re- reasonable realistic prototype put with some of these of the new looks and features we'll even put visual design on it if sure. it'll make you happy And give it let's, a beard
0: you, yeah. Know? Yeah, but I, I, you know, you can argue against showing it to existing customers because you're trying to go to a new customer base.
2: It, but it's hard because it was not like, ultimately what they release has to go to everybody. Yes. It was not like this was Skype Q- Q45, you right. know, where, mm-hmm. where you could get this other flavor of it. Right. You know, the way Google sometimes puts out different versions of things with different people in mind. Mm-hmm. And so if everybody's going to be stuck with this Skype, then it you better be should... Exactly. You should uh, be researching with that existing customer base to really find out what they want. And we should be researching with the younger people, in right. air quotes, to find out what do they want because sure. it might not be Snapchat. And yeah. by
0: then they should have learned lessons from Windows 8 as well. Well, I'm really thinking there's no case where making a product like another product is a good idea. Yeah. If they wanted Snapchat, they would have used Snapchat. Right.
2: Yes, always very true. And and sometimes people will say to me uh, at places I work, you know, hey, this is what the competitors doing, and we really like that. Just wireframe me that. Mm. Well, thing one, I'm not a short order cook. Right. I'm an interface right. scientist. I just drew.
0: I drew your wireframe that says failure. Does that work for you? <laughs> Let's go there. It's
2: got these middle fingers on it. I don't know how they got there. Um, and it but, wants to make you a
0: latte. Uh, uh. It's uh,
2: it's it's angry, but uh, yeah. So that's that's prescribed designs where we just think we've. Had to copy what they're doing. But I say, look, we can use that as inspiration. We can use that as a starting point, but then we should be doing research. I want to go to younger users and say... What chat or phone call or VoIP systems are you using? Which ones do you use? Yeah, what do you like? How and why and when do you use them? What do you like is actually the wrong question. It's really weird. Mm. What do you like and do you like this and would you use it are like the three worst questions to ask. It's really strange. They're too vague? No, partially because um, people want to be polite. So does my ass look fat?
0: Yeah. i huh. are never going to go for that one. You're They're never going to, no question. one's going to
2: tell me my ass looks fat. Right. You're going to tell right. me, Deb, your ass is fine. Yeah. Right. But we all know it's fat. And so, because I live it's in gonna Italy be a family. It's going to be a lot
3: of bleeping in this show. Uh, uh,
2: Okay. Well, can I say my button side? You can say but... whatever you want. We are okay, all in past. But you're in
0: past the country now. So oh what are you gosh, gonna
2: do? <laughs> uh, uh, No going back now. But my point is, no matter what it is, like when I do my talk, I wear kind of a silly shirt I had custom made. And as an example, sometimes I'll walk up to someone in the audience. I'll say, "Do you like my shirt?" And they'll either say yes or they'll give me a very nervous. Sure, and, <laughs> right. and the reality is that we we don't always tell each other the truth. Yeah, right. And so when you say to people, "Do you like this? Do you want this?" There's an article I saw recently it's basically where
0: basically saying, "Please lie to me." Almost, yeah, 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 where yeah. a
2: woman a woman's company went out of business, and part of the reason was when she spoke to her customer, like the headline was like, "Woman's company goes out of business because she listened to customers oh. and she she asked them these biased questions. Sure. Like she said, you know, would you like our products to have deeper customization ability? and everybody must have been like yeah Yeah, sounds great who wouldn't want that will you use it yeah do you like it yeah Yeah. will your sister use it yeah
3: probably a better question might be name three things you don't like about this
2: really the best question is long story short she built all the stuff right nobody used it it cost her a fortune yeah boom um, the best question is usually how can this be better? Yeah. Right. And you oh, that's give people this really super open right. landscape to just go for it. How would
3: you make this better? How could
2: this And I and if they're not and sometimes I'll ask it again later in the interview in another way, how could this be better, faster, cheaper, easier for sure. you? Mm. And they sometimes come up with something else. And then at the end of the interview I usually like to say, and if you had all of the magic powers in the world and they were focused on this product, right. what would you do with that? And sometimes they come up with yet another thing. Now, some of these hmm. may be solutions, and UX would rather work on what's the problem than what's the solution. Sure. We need to know the problem first, and so many companies are not even diagnosing their problems correctly. Hmm. So then we can start focusing on what could be possible solutions.
3: Why don't you think that's true? Why, why don't companies take more... Interest in the, the flaws of they their product. They think
2: they know the, the. So the problem is. It is the ego thing? It's, it, it can be accidental ego, accidental bad data. Um, hmm. it, you never know. Uh, I had a project at a company I won't name where someone said, We found that 21% of our mobile web users aren't using filters after searching. So we want to spin up a project to push them into filters.
0: Ah, so I I found something my customer doesn't want. Let's make them use it. Yeah,
2: I found something that's not, and I said, can you show me any data that slices out those 21% that shows that they're unhappy in any way, or they're not spending as much with us, or they're not spending as often. Show me that this leads to a problem other than it's just a behavior marker of some sort. I said, and have we considered that they put so many search words into their search that they didn't get a, a filter. Right. So, are we sure this is a problem? Well, they got the budget, they spun up a project it went live in the app and then as I told them and predicted it was removed the next year as part of a simplification mm. sure. thing so I think the problem is mm. sometimes you have someone's ego project yep. sometimes you have a, a data manipulation or misunderstanding yeah. sometimes you have marketing or another team who says well we ran a survey and we found out people want this oh. right. and we need to check and balance that a little more and, and be collaborating more
0: yeah Right. well you said you know, putting yourself in a situation where you're going to get Vague data. Yeah. Vague questions resulting in vague data.
2: Yeah, though marketing would never say, We're asking vague questions. No, yes. yeah, we're getting vague data. They're absolutely <laughs> sure that these are fantastic questions with sure. hard data. And then UX sneaks in and that's where we stop getting invited to meetings yeah. because people <laughs> well, don't know. Well there want... goes
0: that Christmas. Card. Troublemaker. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. We yeah. get
2: branded as like don't invite don't invite Debbie to a meeting, she's gonna like shoot a hole in this. Well if you know I'm gonna shoot a hole yeah. in this, maybe we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah.
0: Try not to make easy holes.
2: Uh you yeah, how yeah, about right. we go for something with real customer value?
0: Yeah. Nah, that's crazy talk. I
2: know, I'm so wacky. Crazy,
0: crazy talk. <laughs> the there, you know, one of the one of the classic arguments is the apocryphal forge statement. The if I'd asked the customer what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, which apparently he never said. Yeah, yeah, apparently, apparently he never did. Yeah. But it, it, it seems to me like it's that kind of platitude. I know better than my customer.
2: It is. There's a lo- I hear that a lot when I go into companies and I go, you know, we really should spin up some research or let's refresh our personas. I think we might have some outdated views of our customers. Right. I always get, we know our customers. Uh, I'm, I have a proposal out to a company now who I definitely won't name, and but let's just say big famous company you would know. And the, I'm dealing with the marketing department because sure. the marketing department makes the website yeah. and they see the website as the sales and marketing tool. And so it was just the public facing website. So it was run by marketing, but marketing okay. doing all these weird things with like no UX people involved. So the menus were confusing. The pages were kind of long and rambly. And wouldn't you know, when I took a look at it, they had put the credit card form in an iframe. And my browser ad blocker was blocking the credit card form. So there was actually, for some people, no way to pay these people. Sure. But marketing was pretty sure that they were doing a good job.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And And the customer was doing it
2: wrong. And who even knows? And when they gave me the request for proposal, it said, here are our personas. And so in UX, we have personas, which are different than marketing's demographics, we look more at psychological things, needs, right. frustrations, motivations, habits, and their personas were a list of target audiences. It was like enterprise, teams, press, you know, and I was like, well, that's not a persona. It's just wow. a list of marketing segments. And, you know, yeah. but to them, this was like the complete marketing.
0: Thing. Sure. That's all we need to do. So. It's wow. a start. It's a start, but it's something that should everybody. be built out more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't, you know, we think we sell to everybody, but everybody's got a sweet spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah and we could do that more efficiently.
3: How do, how can you, uh, and you'd be a perfect person to well, answer this question. I'm honored. How would the mere mortals detect at a UX charlatan?
2: Ooh, gosh. Near and dear to my heart. How can a mere mortal detect a UX charlatan? Um... There's a couple of ways. Now, obviously, the best is to bring me in and have me look at their portfolio. Well, sure. That's the obvious one. But, I mean, uh, the the less a few obvious one is, th- the ones that I've uh, told people to try is, um, if you ask someone, if you look in the mirror, what do you see? And I find that an artist says, I'm an artist. And I find that a UX person who really has that running through their blood more than anything else will say something more like, I'm a problem solver.
1: Right. That's what I'm a thinking. customer
2: advocate. Yeah Uh, I'm uh, sometimes I say I'm a predictor of possible outcomes Right Okay Um, uh, I'm a UX designer I design interfaces that are easy to learn and easy to use Mm. So you'll find that the answer from the UX person will be a little bit more psychology centered Mm. and the answer from the visual designer might be more about art or artistic elements Again that doesn't mean it's bad or wrong It just means UX might not be their natural talent Right Um. The other way is, tell me about your UX process. Now, I described it before. It was sure. long and boring. Right. If they just basically say, I make wireframes. Right, yeah. Or I once, asked a guy in a, I once asked a guy in a job interview, what's your process? Because he was claiming to be the unicorn, the UX designer, the artist, and the front-end developer. All, All in one. one. Uh, yeah, we get those. And I said, what's your process? And he goes, you know, I open up Photoshop. And I start designing. That'd be like someone saying, you know, I create a code environment and I type letters.
1: Right, right, exactly.
3: You know, so
2: I said, "What's your process?" He goes, "Yeah, I open up Photoshop, sometimes Illustrator, and I just start there." And I'm like, "No, what, what's your UX process?" Right. Yeah, I open up Photoshop.
0: Yeah, wow. as opposed to. I to do a research customer. exactly. Yeah. That yeah. that's
2: what I want to hear. I want to hear something that is actually about the user or the customer. Yeah, yeah. So that is, you know, some. I mean, me asking it makes sense. You asking it might look a little weird. Mm-hmm. But these are some questions that, but if we they often, just magically I mean, come it just up, we just
0: sound like it's basic requirements gathering. Like yeah. The there's there's aspect of UX that starts at requirements gathering, and gives us a path to what code we ought to write, where you know where systems might need to live. But yeah.
2: Yeah, and sometimes they help us identify new API calls, services, sure. other things we're going to need Whole to create. Whole classes of the
0: app, like you, it might be, hey, these. When I've looked at the way people actually do this work, we don't need to give them another UI. We need to plug into this thing they're using.
2: Right, and sometimes we don't need to just. Some companies go, we'll just reskin it. Nice, you know, we'll just do a UI refresh. Yeah. You know, I meant to say earlier, we, we, we blew by something. I wanted to say very quickly, I do love, and they, they've got all different names now, design systems, component libraries. Mm-hmm. These have a lot of uh, style guides. Sure. I believe that there's, you know, we need our visual designers, but if we had a pre-established code, uh, li, not code library, a visual design library, then we know what a drop list looks like and we right. know how much space goes around it. Right. And we know what all of these classes look like. And that should save a lot of time as well. I mean, we still need that visual designer, but we can probably cut down some of their work because in the old days, you gave the page to the visual designer, they designed the whole page, now you have to follow those specs. And we shouldn't have to do that as much if we're using some of these design systems, component libraries, everybody's calling them something different. But I'm definitely for them because I think it helps uh, engineers have reusable code blocks and snippets that relate to these Common uh, switches and controls, a, a common and view and a
0: common navigation strategy, and a con- common set of instrumentation or, or in- interfaces. And so, once one page works, they should be able to fairly easily work on multiple pages and be close. What's to the uh, a, a
3: one, one that? Uh, who I'm, I, I think it was Google Design. Was it Fluent? Or there was one
0: sort of style. If Fluent came from Google, it was material. material. Or no, material design came from Google. Yeah. Material fluent is design Microsoft. is yeah. That's material it. design Fluent's
2: is Microsoft, Google, yeah. and and as a, I'm I'm Windows and Android, believe it or not. So yeah. that's how you also know I'm not artsy fartsy. So <laughs> yeah. I am I'm Windows and Android, um, but uh, uh, I do like the material design. And then um, one another tool, if we're allowed to mention tools who didn't pay mm. to be mentioned, sure, uh, is Zeppelin. Z e p l i n. Zeppelin is a tool that's really designed to bridge visual design and front end developers. Hmm. And visual designers can put their designs in there with all of the specifications and even CSS code snippets. And assets as well. So that should also help with speed and efficiency as well.
3: There are other ways that we can detect charlatans just across the board. And Richard's really good at this, (laughs) at at finding, finding, going into a company and finding people who are full of you know what is you know when you ask them how would they go about solving a problem the only thing that they can do is give you all of their authority credentials right mm. you know the list all of the, the it's like the authority argument like you should these are re- re- reasons why you should listen to me because i've got this degree and i've got this experience and that okay but what would you do here right
2: i think the cousin of that in ux right now and and this is a little bit new and i think it's going to change especially if i have my way you'd probably hear someone Say, who, who isn't the true UX Scots, you know, not a true Scotsman, as they say, nice. the, not true UX. Um, I think you would hear someone say, I'd run a design sprint. You know, these whole oh. design sprint, design thinking, has that made it over to your part of the world? No. It's an
0: interesting As soon as you said it, like, yeah, I could see someone saying that. Yeah.
2: It's basically like an internal workshop over multiple days with multiple cross-functional teammates. So, like an engineer, a product person, a stakeholder, some SMEs, and we're all going to brainstorm solutions. And it sounds expensive. Course, and it's freaking takes, expensive. It takes it off
3: of my shoulders, too, because well, I'm supposedly the authority.
2: It's it's expen- It takes it off of my shoulders when it shouldn't. And that's right, what I'm is, saying. Yeah. Yeah, my thought is, if you have a problem or question with, relating to product or you exit your company... Why aren't you just bringing it to UX? Right. Yes, we have good ways to collaborate. Yes, sure. we have good ways to collect ideas and brainstorm with other people. But to go into a room and have everyone sketching solutions yeah. seems a little bit off the the track when we should spend more time uh, understanding the problem.
0: Right, I do think this is an interesting aspect of, yeah, I could see UX being involved in the Requirements gathering phase and, and putting together prototypes and so forth that get us on our path. But when do they step back in as we're building things? And we are having conflicts with the way that uh, they, the design is laid out or... You know, or not haven't followed it well because we didn't understand it in the first place. Yes.
2: Yeah, so I tell people that, I tell the UX people that we need to start, as soon as we get those requirements, we need to talk to engineering immediately. Right. And we need to learn what are our technical limitations. Is there something that we might already be starting to dream of that we can't build? And th- these are the types of things I heard when I worked at Macy's a lot. Oh, we don't really have that in the architecture or, oh, we don't really have a service for that. Right. Well, are you going to do that by the time I design this mm-hmm. or do I have to design around something that doesn't you know, yeah. exist with, so yeah. we have to be collaborating really early to understand where there are limitations where I can't design something you can't build
1: right. mm-hmm. and then
2: I like to show engineering my work in progress roughly every week <laughs> Right. and that way not for your approval not for your ideas
0: Just not, some insight as to where you not are not
2: because I need you to so greenlight my thing but just so that we don't get surprised later right. that I disappeared for weeks or months yeah. designed something and then threw it over the fence at you in a non-collaborative way right. and you were like holy cats, we can't build this. Where the heck have you been? Right. And so I do believe that we have to be collaborating often. But then I also tell engineers, start inviting UX to all of the meetings. Yeah. Right. We want to be in release planning, sprint planning, retro showcases, especially mm. if a showcase is going to talk about UX. I should be answering questions about my work. Please right. don't answer yes. questions about my work. But and it can,
0: I mean, they, they've worked on the implementation. You've worked on the, the flow, like what this should be. So the... I would hope before I showed that, I checked in with you. It's like, is this what you were thinking? Is yeah, this
2: the intent? But here? sometimes it's an outside person who has the question. You know, in right. these showcases, it could be somebody else who has a question about it. But uh, but yeah, we it's great for us to continue working together like that. And I tell people, I tell the engineers, if you're using Jira get us into Jira. Sure. Whatever is your system, we're on the team now. Yeah. We're not an outside SME. We're not an outside consultant. That's part of what's been keeping us apart and mm. keeping us siloed. Imagine mm. us on the team with you. Uh, we're So doing just different be in things. that pipeline. We are. We're, we're creating the... If we, look, if we fall apart, you don't have a backlog. So right. So hypothetically, we should be uh, brought into your system. Don't send me to a Trello board. Don't send <laughs> me an Excel spreadsheet. Get me in your system. If you have a question, a problem, or an ambiguity, maybe I missed something, then tag me in a ticket, assign a ticket to me, and mm-hmm. that is great for collaboration. Yeah.
3: absolutely. So now I get why you called it UX and DevOps, because it had nothing to do with DevOps, but it, DevOps is like, it, it means like the conflict.
2: Overarching, the overarching right? developer operations was how I was looking at it, and yeah. then I called it ICU for the intensive care unit, right. because I realized that because of the misunderstandings and conflicts, right. your DevOps might be in the ICU. Um, Now, I can't fix everything, I can't fix your downtime, but there's a lot of other stuff that I believe UX can fix. And I also loved if you look at definitions of DevOps versus definitions of CICD and Agile and some of these other Mm -hmm. things, DevOps says, culture and communication are important. That's right. Everyone involved. Yeah. DevOps says uh, we should be shooting to, for higher product quality. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't see that in agile lately. I'm sorry. Agile just says go faster, go faster, go faster. And I feel like a lot of agile has lost the the, attention to product quality. There
0: was a quality statement, but it's not what most people use. Right. Right. Ultimately we used a, you know, agile, like it's a spray bottle. You squirt on developers to make them go faster. You hear (laughs) self-organizing teams
2: and you hear all the other ones. And so I, so that it's not that my talk is about DevOps, but it's the kinship I felt with DevOps because I said, finally, somebody in engineering who understands how important it is sure. to improve product quality, yeah. to make the customer happy. And then, uh, I do, do we have time for another funny thing? Sure, sure. Okay. So have you guys seen the document that came out in the fall, last fall, fall 2018, for those listening in the future? <laughs> um It is called How to Detect BS in Agile.
0: Wow. Nice.
2: Now, you like that now. How about when I tell you it was put out by the American Department of Defense?
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. This is an
2: unbelievable document, not redacted, completely public. And That's obviously, great. the problem is that there are so many companies that are providing contracting right. to our military and our armed forces yeah. and, and these other government agencies who yeah. are claiming to be agile, yeah. and they're not really agile. Hmm. So they put out this PDF, which says, here are some questions you can ask people claiming to do agile, and these are the answers you should be looking for. And at the end, they have a flowchart. And the flowchart has things like, are we shipping working software to at least one set of real customers every iteration and gathering feedback? Right. Which of course leans back on me. I should be gathering real customer feedback, interpreting mm-hmm. it. Then they eventually go on to say in the flow chart, are we looking at that customer feedback and are we changing the requirements because yeah. of Is, it?
1: Right, Is it
0: affecting and, our flow. Are we
2: and listening? that's where, and, and that's where I think too many companies say, Well, look, we just started building this. Just keep going and just ship it. And I would say, no, we already know we're going in the wrong direction. We have real customer feedback. We should go back and change the requirements so that why are we building what people already are reacting negatively to? So it's a great document, easily Googleable. You found it. I'll
0: put it in the show notes. Awesome. How to
2: detect... Be, how, to agile detect, BS. how to detect from the Department
0: of Defense. BS weird for open public. That's great. For,
2: it's beautiful. I hope you enjoy the flow chart at the and end. And what's great
3: about that is, you know, it's coming from the Department of Defense. It's kind of an important agency, <laughs> yes. right? Like it doesn't, to, they kind they of build a it, lot of software. I, well,
2: they, they, they need spend to get how it right. Much on, yeah, I, I met a woman at an event last year. She was from the Air Force IT. And she said they had an outside contractor who was doing development for them and also claimed to be doing UX. Mm. And she said, I'm, I'm suspicious of them. I'm not sure about UX. And it sounds like you would know. And I said, sure. What are they doing? She said, well, they, they design something and they code it. So real code, QAID. Then they find one person and they test it with that person. Mm. Based on what the one person says, they then rebuild the code to match what that one person says. Then they find one other person, they see what that guy says, or gal, and then they rebuild it. I said, okay, this is absolutely (laughs) fake, fake UX, fake UX testing. I said, this is a recipe for you to burn a lot of money. Yeah,
0: no, I was just thinking, wow you can burn a lot of hours that oh, way and wrapped and in yes. an umbrella of righteousness the whole time. Right, look
2: at us, we're doing great. Now, of course, any UX person would know we test with normally 5 to 15 people. Right. We remove any outliers or flukes. We look for yep. patterns and we we go in that direction. Sure. But yeah. to test with one person who could be 100% outlier fluke yep. and then rebuild your system for that and this is the Air Force.
3: Man. Crazy.
2: So that's our tax dollars at work. Yep. Yes, I still pay taxes in Italy, everybody.
3: (laughs) Well, Debbie, thank you so much. This is great. It's been awesome. But um, just before we go, what's next for you? What are you doing? uh, What are you working on now?
2: Yeah, I'm working on the next book, which, as I said, is going to really redefine UX because I feel like some of those models and definitions have gotten out of control. So look for a new book for me this fall. But for those of you curious about my current book, just sneak over to Amazon and type in DevOps ICU. I've got it on Amazon for about seven bucks. So Great. Uh, it's like 130 pages. It's an easy, fun read with uh, with Agile BS in there as well.
3: Awesome. Thanks, Debbie. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.